Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Email todaycb at rte.ie. Now, before we start our next conversation, a warning that some of this may be upsetting for some listeners or for younger ears. Just two weeks ago, John McLean, a former teacher and rugby coach at Terenure College in Dublin, was jailed for a further four years and was told he would remain in prison until 2030 for the sexual crimes he committed against boys at the school. McLean had pleaded guilty to sexually abusing 22 boys at Terenure College between 1971 and 1992. He's now convicted of abusing a total of 45 children. He's regarded as one of the most prolific sex offenders to have faced trial in the state and it's believed he harmed many more than the Gardaí are so far aware of. Well, outside of court, as McLean was sentenced, Paul Kennedy decided to waive his anonymity after reading his victim impact statement to the court. And Paul is on the line now. Thank you very much for speaking to us, Paul. Thank you. Will you go back just to two weeks ago, firstly, and you stood outside the court on that day. Had you considered waiving your anonymity before that moment? No, I had not. Not until I had walked out of the courtroom. But um, they asked me, would I... uh would they release my victim impact statement to the media? To which I said, absolutely. They said, don't worry, it'll be anonymous. I said, no, it's my truth. It's my voice. I have found my voice. I haven't been listened to for so long. I will speak. And I also, I just got a great feeling that um, I owed it to those who couldn't speak publicly, those who were too wounded or too ruined, and particularly to those that had died through suicide. So something had happened to you when you delivered your victim impact statement that gave you the freedom and the strength to then waive your anonymity. Yeah, I hadn't considered it, but certainly I was going up to that courtroom to deliver my statement. It was like my 13-year-old boy, the little boy that stood up to him all those years ago and was victim of that abuse to be able to stand up, read the words, borrow my own, you know, my now big voice and big body to actually hit him with both barrels and also to the court and to hear my voice because I was not believed and not listened to for decades. How many years did you have to wait to face him to make that victim impact statement to say those words so that he and everybody else could hear them? Well, I left in 1980. So that's 43 years and the abuse would have started um, when my father was terminally ill and he started to groom me by, I look after you. I'll, I'll help you through this, Paul. And that would have been in 1976 going on into 1977. And you heard the testimony of other victims as well of McLean in court. What was that mm-hmm. like? Was that difficult for you to hear? It's incredibly painful. All of us said the same thing. To hear the other the other guy's stories was actually almost worse because you had been so long dealing with your own. And to also that feeling of being totally and utterly let down by those that were supposed to protect you. We were constantly, as I said uh, before, it was like a battleground. You went in to do battle every day. And then going back to what it was like in the courtroom, sitting there, saying your words, looking at him, where was he in relation to you? Oh, he was uh, was hunched down beside me in the dock with his head, head in his hands. He tried to look at me but his eyes started back. The man is broken, and um, but reliving those times was not pleasant. Did you want him to look at you? Well, he did, and then he averted his eyes immediately. But the, the sad thing, Claire, is that there were so many boys, so he's probably looking up to say, which one was this? Mm-hmm. 
What was he like um, at Turnure College? What was his general behaviour like? How did he treat children there? Just talk to us a little bit about him at that time. Very straightforward. The man was, uh, you know, a, a really, really highly operative bully. He was a bully through whatever way he could do it. And also he had obviously the warped sexual desires. But anything that was sexual was also being used as a bullying and a controlling thing. And he he controlled the corridors as well. It wasn't just it wasn't just the boys he was abusing that he was bullying. He would bully everyone around him. He would manipulate them. The staff room were afraid of him. And then there was the priests which he played and played him. I don't know. It's it was it was it was tough. You see, when we look at John McLean now, and we have seen him uh, going in and out of court. He's an old man, but it's important for us all to remember that you were children and he was a, a young, strong man at that time, wasn't he? Uh, precisely right, Claire. I mean, you're talking about a man in his young 30s, fit, fit and healthy, um, and he would he was wiry and he told you down. So what would I would have been? Six and a half stone, 13 years of age? You know, you're, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so much that it's not a contest and it should never have been one. But at the same time, we still wiggled and kicked, those of us that could, and we tried to avoid situations and we tried to, we mocked him. And certainly as we got older, we really, really detested him. And as a, and I would say that as a, as, as a group, not just individually, but everybody just, you know, he's creepy, he gives me the creeps, I don't like him. And when he gave you the eye, he had those... Kind of like the eyes of a snake looking at you, you know, just looking at you going, mm, pray. As we used to say at the time, he was a bit like, to go back in time, it was a bit like Woolworth's pick and mix. He'd go, I'll have that one and that one and that one. That boy, that boy, you know, bring him to me. Mm-hmm. And he made sure that the people he targeted were repressed in some way. He would make sure they were repressed in some way. Was that how he worked? Generally how he worked, yes, but it would also be, he would also be an opportunist. He'd see a boy that was uh, was kicked out of class, so he'd go, right, I have you now because you can't give out to me. You can't make a complaint because then I'll tell your parents you're kicked out of class. You know, you have to come or you have to come for your punishment. Yeah, you said there earlier that you, you, you and your friends, the other boys, you'd mock them and... We all understand making childish jokes about it, a, a teacher. I mean, this was extremely serious. But did people warn each other about the threat of John McLean? It was basically when you went into um, secondary school. Uh, some of us came from Turner College Primary. Some came, came from outside. But everyone was warned. The first years were always warned. But we were only small children. We had no concept of what we were warning people about in the sense of what it was because it made no sense to us because we were of a we were from a time where as they'd say down there was dirty so why would anyone want to touch you down there you mentioned earlier uh, about fighting back against him he targeted you mm-hmm. in three so different locations three different locations the school play the changing room and in the classroom he targeted me for two years and you spoke about having the strength to fight back against him, but that doesn't seem to have deterred his attempts. Well, no, the, it was kind of, the best way to describe it was he wanted to, to have his way. And when I was, you know, I wasn't cooperating, then he'd, um, he'd sexually humiliate me or other boys. And you'd see him do it. Once, once it had been done to you, you could see it very clearly. But he put the cape around you and he'd uh, thrust himself uh, on your back in class while maybe spouting poetry or talking about some, you know, in an English class. So we do it publicly, which was, uh, you know, it wasn't, it, it's hard to go back over it because a lot of the times you're just going, oh, go away from me. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're going, ugh, there's something. It was just so intensely wrong. But at the same time, you're going, it's, it's a lot better than him doing it here rather than behind the door where he's the key. And what's been the response like to you, Paul, in the two weeks since you spoke outside of the court and gave your victim impact statement in court? And the, the response, Claire, has been absolutely fantastic. It's been wonderful because it's out in the open. There's the, the shame belongs to John McLean um, and within Terenure College. The shame does not belong to us men. And we just said, no, this is not ours. And people are being ringing and talking. And there's an awful lot of men I have talked to, not just from Terenure, but from around the country, who've just said, it's just good to be able to talk to somebody else and to realize that you're actually part of to use the wonderful phrase, you're one, you know, you are one in four. You're not this, you know, this person to be avoided and on your own with a singular problem. You've got something that you can share. You can get it off your chest and you can move on. You will never, ever forget it. But you can move on and you can develop and you can be sound. Have you been contacted by people who will, in your judgment, never be able to speak out to anyone else about what happened? Um, I tell you, I have in certain ways. Quite a few people have talked to me about stuff. One of them said very, very directly, I just can't talk to any more therapists. I can't talk about this. It's too painful. There's several, several guys who've said that they mentally have had a blackout about, um, they've blacked out or erased uh, the point of the attacks. For example, um, one or two, in fact, two fellows said it to me that, you know, I can remember everything up until the point he removed my underwear. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I have a blank. And the guards have said, look, we can't, we need to, we, 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 we need to know what happened. We can get this by hypnotherapy. And the guys just said, you must be joking. If my smaller, younger self has deleted that file, it's staying deleted. And you've been very complimentary about the guardie who carried out this current Stunning. investigation. Absolutely. I cannot speak highly of, more highly of them. I mean, they came down to interview me in West Kerry and Dingle. They came down, they spent four hours. Everything they've done has been meticulous. As they said themselves, they have to dot every um, I and cross every T. They have to do it right. But the fact of the, the matter that they've just, their persistence and their diligence and also just their compassion and the warmth, you know, it's not easy to have to listen to all those testimonies. It's not easy to have to... Um, you know, go through all of this stuff. But it has to be, once the lid comes off the can of worms, we have to go down to the bottom, clean mm-hmm. it out, because that's that's what's this this society in 2023 is going to benefit from. But will we ever get you know, to the to, bottom of the can of worms, Paul? I mean, does anyone know how many victims John McLean really did abuse over those years? I would imagine um, nobody will know because so many, so many people have locked it away. And it's too late and too painful for them to um, to get, you know, to... To, to open that, to reopen that. Um, you know, you can suppress things for so long and some of us, um, you know, it had to come out. But some others just, I, I had a few guys just said to me, Paul, I do not want to deal with this. He mm-hmm. says, it happened to me, but I'm not going to tell, I, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with it. He said, I've parked that in my past. My wife, for example, guys are saying, my wife and kids don't know about this. And if I tell them now, they go, well, why didn't you tell us years ago? And, you know, they just said, look, I'd rather let sleeping dogs lie. But thank you so, so much for making sure you and all the other guys from Damien Hetherington and all the guys in the first tranche, myself and the others in the second tranche, thank you for putting him away. It gives me a sense of satisfaction. 
Now, the Carmelite Order, Paul, have you been contacted by anyone from that organisation to apologise or to express anything to you directly? Well, individual priests uh, are not allowed to apologise. I mean, let's be very blunt about that, Claire, because that's an admission of guilt. I mean, their moral compasses now set by accountants and lawyers. I would love if somebody from the Carmelites was able to say sorry to me. I've had one one uh, recent Carmelite um, sending a, a text just to say, you know, very, very sad to hear what happened to you. And it was totally genuine. What a nice man. But, oh, sorry, I've also had teachers who've, uh, ex-teachers who've, who've reached out to me and say, it's really, really, really um, unsettling what happened to you. We're really, really sorry. And, um, you know, people who weren't at fault. But um, it wouldn't it be wonderful if not just through the, a media outlet leave um give a great you know a mealy-mouthed apology you know we're so so sorry and if only we have known and that's the most hurtful thing is that if only we had known you're going oh for god's sake people knew adults walked into the room while mclean was abusing children in terenure college and they walked out people in other schools knew so the fact that they're trying to say well if only we had known we were terribly sorry there's nobody reached out. As Damien Heatherton put it very nicely, there was nobody who has given us a human apology and reached out a telephone call. Just go, it's terribly sorry. But would that make a difference to you if they did reach out to you? I think it would make a big difference to everybody. It certainly would to me. Um, I mean, I'm long past um, any, any truck with the Catholic Church for, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, I would like a personal apology. You know, it's just, it, it, it's old-fashioned manners. It's a decent thing. You know, you ring up, you say sorry, may a cult a hand in the air. Gosh, Paul, that was terrible. But there's an awful lot of people they'd have to apologise to. God knows, if McLean went through, I would imagine, 20 or 30 guys a year and he was there from 1971 to 19, early 1990s, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the hundreds, maybe 700 plus. So, so many men, hundreds of boys as children who are now men would not be carrying all that abuse around with them. Paul, it's been really good to talk to you and I'm sure it means a lot both to the people who did have the strength to fight back, but in particular to the people who didn't. Thank you very much for talking to us today. And thank you, Claire, and I hope more men come forward who are in Terenure because it's a weight off their shoulders and it will do them good. Paul, thank you. All good. thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Claire. Well, after that recent sentencing, the Carmelite Order issued a statement saying John McLean was a serial abuser who wreaked havoc on the lives of the students that he abused in Terenure College. It was a grave failure that he was not stopped. And for this, we are truly sorry. They said our public apologies seem paltry in the wake of the harrowing accounts of abuse and its devastating consequences that former students have given in their statements to Dublin Circuit Criminal Court. The Carmelite Order is committed to supporting all those abused in our schools and other ministry settings. The author has also emphasised to us in that statement, they say some victims and survivors of abuse also benefit from face-to-face meetings. Many have met and spoken with our provincial and DLP for safeguarding. These conversations are ongoing. And if anyone has been affected by any part of that discussion that I had there with Paul, there's more information available at rte.ie forward slash helplines. Text 51551 today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.